hello again. Okay, so we have been in a bit of a series, and we took a little break uh, last week, um, I believe, and the week before, uh, with focus and some other uh, things that were happening. Um, and we're in a series talking about dependence. You know, what it looks like for a church, for us as Trinity, to be dependent upon God. Um, and we didn't want to just have one sermon that was like, this is how we're dependent. But actually, we're going to look into like the nitty gritty of our lives. You know, how do we um, live dependent lives in these sort of things that we're going to be talking about? Um, and so Joe talked to us about how we can be dependent upon indecisions. Uh, we talked about being dependent in prayer. Um, and uh, today, we're talking about what it looks like like to be dependent as we share our faith and in mission. Um, And I mean, really where this has been birthed from is... um a couple of, um, again, a couple of years ago, um, I had that, this image, and I've shared this a lot, so I'm going to bore many people, um, but I have a vision of, a, of God raising up a weak army, a weak army, and, uh, and it is something, it's something that uh, was given to me that it's like, you know, when you, you know when you sort of carry something that's in your guts, like a real conviction that God is wanting to raise up this weak army, and weakness looking like utter dependence, utter devotion devotion, utter surrender upon him and his work and his ability and his power. You know, not that we can do any of it in our own strength, but what about a church that's so utterly dependent upon his his power and his ability um, in our lives and in our city and in our world. Um, and so that's why we thought, let's actually talk about it. What does it look like um, as we walk out in our day-to-day lives? So I bought these guys Uh, George and Tanya, um, because they live this out. You know, they live this um, life of sharing faith and mission, and it's not it's not a project or a task. It, it just never goes wrong, does it? <laughs> it's just on point all the time. Yeah, they're not perfect, okay, for the record. <laughs> um, but, you know, they um, it is something that just comes naturally to you. And so we just want to, I guess, sort of ask you some questions of what it actually looks like and sort of even practically what it looks like for you um, as you live missional lives or Jesus lives, I guess. Um, Okay, so you with me? Yes! (laughs) Yes! Okay. One and a half people. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so George, we're going to start with you. Um, Firstly, give us a little snapshot. How did you... How did you come to know Jesus yep. as so, a starting point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was really fortunate. I grew up in a very loving family, but we wouldn't have called ourselves Christians. And I guess sort of the spiritual awakening, if you like, of my family started with my mum, who when I was nine, she died. And about a year before she died, she had a radical encounter with Jesus, literally in her hospital room. Um, she knew, uh, she, she ran away from home and she was very young at a really difficult background and um hadn't sort of really been inside church a lot and the only Christian she knew was her sister my aunt who had become a Christian in her 20s and um, and one day my aunt went in to visit my mum in her hospital room and she was just in tears and she said Jeanette what's um you know what's the matter why are you crying and she said I've just met Jesus and now all I want to do is be with him and that sort of sums up I mean up that sums up everything we're going to say probably in the next 15 minutes but I think that started a journey for my whole family which also included me and my teens. Um, I used to play lots of music in different bands, and there was a, a guitar player in one of the bands when I was a teenager who um, invited me to a Christian camp. And he, he wasn't a um, 
particularly outgoing guy. He wasn't particularly loud or extroverted. He was just very gentle, very quiet, and um, really faithfully just followed Jesus, followed Jesus amongst his friends, amongst us at school. And there was just something about him, um, and I can still feel it today when I, when I picture him in those days. There's something about him that you just wanted to be around this guy. He was so cool, and you just couldn't deny that um, you just wanted to, wanted to be around him, had this glow to him. So he finally plucked up the courage to invite me to this Christian thing. I said yes, and then the Thursday of that week, I heard the gospel and gave my life to Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Glory to God, indeed. Okay, so for you, Tanya, um, I love in 1 Peter when it says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. And that's, you know, so even in George's story, you can hear, hear the hope there. What is, it, what is the hope that you carry how would you describe that? What does That's that an like? easy question, isn't it? <laughs> um, I was actually brought up in a Christian family, and I think sometimes you can assume that makes it an easier road <laughs> to becoming a Christian. It's not always true. I'm um, surprised, surprised, as Christians, we go through rough times, don't we, as children, young people? And um, for me, although I knew the truth and I've heard lots of stories and about God, it was all about a personal encounter with him that, that made the difference. I've got three little points, <laughs> very small. But for me, um, the revelation for me was knowing that God saw me. I had to make it personal. God saw me. And I remember there was a time as a teenager, um, and you know, you're going through your normal struggles, but I remember I really knew that God saw me. And he saw me, so he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus so that I could know God. And out of knowing God, I know his love for me. And I think the freedom that has brought me as a teen up till now, it's like a continuous journey and an unveiling of how much God loves me. But I'm on the journey and it's transformed my life. And I think that's the hope that I want to give to other people. I think Everybody wants to know that they're seen and they're known and they're loved, no matter what they've done. It's just such an incredible story. And when it becomes personal to you, it's an overflow that comes out to other people. And so, yeah, that's the hope. <laughs> and so over to you, George. What, what does, I mean, we hear the word mission, don't we? You know, we hear the word mission and evangelism. And for some, it's like, ah! you know, not the evangelist talk, you know. Um, but what is it, what does it mean to you? What is sharing your faith? What is mission? What does it, what does it look like? What does it mean when you hear that? Yeah, so I, I um, don't love the word evangelism. If you do, wonderful. Just don't listen to me for the next minute. But I really struggle with it because um, for me, the, the word evangelism kind of speaks a lot of duty, like a project to be done, like a task to be completed. Um, you know, we kind of, have our Christian lives and we have a tick box and I'll read my Bible, I'll say my prayers, I'll come to a church gathering and I'll do evangelism, tick. Um, and for ages it just felt really weird to me and often evangelism was like the awkward and embarrassing thing you did in the town centre with the church, you know, once or twice twice a year. And and I think probably what I've what I've discovered is that um is, you know, all evangelism, all, all mission is about falling in love with God and that and that relationship um overflowing I, w I was I, I say this all the time but um anyone that knows me in here knows that you know if I've if I've gone to a a good restaurant over the weekend you'll all hear about it on Sunday like I'll tell everyone in the room you know it's amazing and I'll describe to you in 
really over-the-top detail, like how beautiful the chicken was and all the sides that I had and what beers I ordered and what breweries they were from. And it's like, it's not, you know, we all, we all um, know that when we experience good things, when we experience something good in life, like our natural impulse is to share it, even if that's a restaurant. So how much more when it comes to the love of Jesus? I know it's a simple thing, but I, I sort of think, you know, I, d- I didn't have to... Um, I didn't have to think about wanting to share my love for my wife when we were dating. Um, it was an overflow. You know, when you fall in love, like we see this in human relationships, you, you do crazy, stupid things. You get up at, you do sometimes big romantic gestures, and I'd get up at five in the morning to go and see her. And it's the same with Jesus. It's that I think the freedom comes when I stop thinking about evangelism as something to do, and instead um, give myself to encountering God in my life, give myself over to loving him, to following Jesus, and finding that he's too good not to share. Okay, yeah. just pressing in there then. So what, um, how, what does it look like in your life to cultivate that devotion? What is it, when you're not feeling it necessarily, yeah, yeah. how do you keep that devotion? Yeah, so I think um, routine is a massive part of this. Like we have the, the we talk about um, at Trinity a lot about practices. Like y- so um, taking some time in the morning to be with God, an alarm going off midday and praying the Lord's Prayer, doing something in the evening. The reason that practices are so wonderful is that you know, more often than not, I'm a fearless. So I do, you know, I, I do feel God's presence. I do feel that. But there's a lot that is also a lot of times where you don't. And the point of practices is that you get yourself into the presence of God, even when you don't feel it, even when life's brilliant, even when life's falling apart, you have these rhythms of bringing yourself back to Jesus. And and so I think that's been that's been like a massive part of, part of it for me. But the other part of it as well is um, is just is is living the kind of life where I want to depend upon him, um, but also it's just it's just so much more fun being with him and doing the sort of stuff that he wants to do. Like you know, John John Wimber said this thing um, uh, that all God's kids get to play, and it's like you encounter Jesus and you actually discover this life of fullness and fun. And it's like I wouldn't I wouldn't want to not join in with what he's doing as well. So yeah, yeah. that's a couple of things. It's very good, um, Tanya. You actually shared in the earlier service this wonderful story about actually when you moved to Nottingham. Um, and I, I just I think it's such a great illustration of sort of how we can be dependent upon God and actually what he's doing. So would you share that yeah. story again? I guess part of like what I was saying before as a teenager encountering God and me, myself and my husband wanted to give our not COVID, um, I give our lives uh, to Jesus. I wanted to see um, our lives make a difference. And for us, that was like literally working in church. And uh, we, we've always been a bit like God, just lead us where we need to be. And um, a year ago, year and a half ago, just as COVID struck, um, we felt God call us to Nottingham. And um, it was really scary. I mean, Amy says it comes naturally to us, all of this. But actually, <laughs> I'm just like anyone else. I'm terrified of most things, you know, and quite shy at meeting new people. But anyway, we felt that this was right. And we made the step to move here. And even just like trying to find a house and dur- just before lockdown struck was really difficult. And there was just like this one option of this house. One fell through and there was this one. Anyway, we moved into this house, like trusting God that you want us here in this area. Um, and then full on lockdown, lockdown struck. So we've moved to Nottingham to do these new roles and can't actually do anything. I'm like, God, what are we here for? And um, I was saying earlier that there's something about lockdown that was really precious. And that was the slowing down and the quietness that came around us. And for, for me and Neil, that enabled us to see people 
much better, our neighbours and see um, our friends in a different way than we had before. And we actually had moved next door to an older lady who was all alone. And as I said, I'm quite shy. I don't know how to start the conversation. Fortunately, I've got children. And uh, my eight-year-old at the time was like, Mum, she's got loads of weeds in her front garden. I'm going to go weed them for her. And I'm like, okay. So he goes out there and he spent hours weeding. And I'm like, bless his heart. Anyway, the, the neighbor came out and she was like, wow. She wrote us a little letter and so started this relationship. Um, I can honestly say it was the most transforming relationship for herself probably and us over the last year and a half. She became like a family member and it wasn't like a natural friendship. It was something that was, I, I believe, of God. And it wasn't long before she opened up. And just as I was saying before, she was desperate to be seen, to be known and to be loved. And she'd had a broken, broken life. And she actually said to me that the week before we moved, she'd she hadn't prayed, but she'd said to the, the sky, <laughs> the, um, basically, that she was going to end her life. And then we moved in, and she said, I honestly can say, it's not to do with us, it's God, obviously. I can honestly say that it was because you're moving here that you've given me a hope and changed my life, and I want to live. And over that year, we got to pray with her. Um, we, we had tears together, but it was just incredible. And then it came to the time when she was going to move on, and she's moved area. It was a very, very sad time. But, you know, we've been in lockdown, couldn't touch. And um, we went round to her house to say goodbye, and I did break the rule a little bit at this point, because she did say, can I have a hug? Oh, my word. So she gave my daughter first a hug, and then I hugged her. And it was just... You know, I've encountered God, but it was like I encountered his love for her. And we, we both just were weeping in her lounge. And I just believe that out of our dependency on God to, to orchestrate our life and even where we lived, we've got to witness God move it, moving in her life in such a powerful way. And in ours, it's a testimony to all of our children, our family. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's a story of depending on God in, yeah. and stepping out. And I love that so much because I think sometimes we, I don't know, even where we're living right now or certainly, you know, where I am or even in our workplaces, it's, it's, sometimes, it's sometimes just switching into the idea that maybe this isn't a coincidence, that actually maybe I'm here in this house, on this street, in this workplace, wherever it is, wherever it is it's like actually I'm trusting to think that there's a reason for this. And actually it can open our eyes up to seeing people around us and asking for God's heart. And so I love that idea that of living in dependence because he cares about all the details. But also, uh, forming another question, but also um, I just, you know, the reason that we got Galatians 5 read out was that Luca's kindness, you know, fruit of the Spirit kindness is actually what provoked the relationship. You know, he didn't say anything, did he? But it was just the fruit of the Spirit within him, you know, and actually as we stay close to God, we just hope that the fruit's on display. And so anyway, this whole idea of proclaiming and demonstrating, I think we can get lost and a bit scared about the proclaiming. And actually there's real power in demonstrating the gospel. Can you speak into yeah, that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think... Um, um, so mission at its heart for me now is more about lifting our eyes. So um, in terms of our own, of what God's doing, um, it's about just moving our vision from just focusing on what God's doing in us to 
the world to realizing that what he's done in us, he wants to do for everyone, everyone that we walk pa- walk past. And and I think like often um, one one of the most amazing stories I've heard in the last couple of years here was a woman who was feeling really stirred about um, wanting to, wanting to see other people encounter God, and she was quite high up at a local university, and she wanted she just had this real she felt really stirred one Sunday and was like I want to see more students come to faith, I want to see more of my cl- colleagues. Um, experience the love of Jesus and and the way that she responded to that was that she just got into work 20 minutes early every day and just prayed around the corridors and I think there's this temptation to think isn't there that to respond to God in that way like immediately we've got to kind of have a five-part script our explanation of the gospel and it's all going to look like talking to people but for most for for most people I think that we already carry these things in our heart it's just it's just sometimes going to the place I mean literally I think sometimes it's going to the place you're praying for like for me it's been um you know I, i'm feeling burning for a particular area or a particular place just putting my shoes on literally getting out the door and just saying today oh i'm just going to actually pray around that place and you find that well you, you find that I, I find personally find it more interesting to pray in that context but then you also find that you're the answer to some of your own prayers because you'll bump into people and god will create these moments and conversations where you can speak about god and i yeah i just think that's that's wonderful. Like that, that's mainly it, I would say. It's just, we, we, um, it is amazing, like, the amount of, in many ways, the amount of content and books and worship albums and stuff that we have in, in the sort of the Christian world. But it can become all quite introspective, like, my spiritual formation. How am I doing? How's my prayer life? How am I reading scripture? And sometimes I honestly think one of the transformative things God's, I know he's doing this in me, is just sort of saying, no, it's amazing. That, that's all important. But actually you know this is to share like you're a you're a city on a hill you're salt and light like you, you know you're supposed to like what i've put in you i've put in you to share so i think it's just getting away from that it's so easy to be self-indulgent and self-focused and realizing that mission more than preaching the gospel or doing things in a particular way or particular events is just our vision changing from being predominantly focused on ourselves to to the world around us so amen yeah. very good so getting um you know practical as well um, if you're anything like me, you know, these guys have, you do have regular stories, which is wonderful, praise the Lord, because you are, you're bold at stepping out in, in this stuff. Um, and, but for some of us, you know, we go about our day and we go to the grocery store and we have like, you know, a list of ingredients that we need to get. And so how do you stay in step with the Spirit, you know, about his kingdom? I'm going to stay, you know, side by side with Jesus, but I also need to get milk and bread and this and this and the kids screaming and whatever. It's like how, give us some tips. Like what does it look like to keep our attention in some way uh, into what he's doing in different places? Either of you. Do you? Okay. I was just, well, just, just really quickly before Tanya goes, just coming back to the rhythms thing and how we encounter God. Back before lockdown, we did prayer on the streets every week. Some of you were involved in that. And we, we gathered in the building, prayed for 20 minutes, half an hour, and then went onto the streets of the city and offered people prayer. And part of the answer for me is that, obviously, this is all about falling more in love with Jesus. But you can um, you can make a practice of like just, just doing it as well. Like I think there is something really practical about us being in that rhythm every week. I mean, we did this for two years. And I... Um, I love all this stuff. I got to tell you, every single Wednesday, our staff team tried to talk themselves out of it. Like none of us really wanted to do it because it just felt. But what? But what it did is it, it, it got us into the habit of, you know, whether, literally whether it was um, uh, raining or whether there was sunshine, whether we were feeling amazing or whether we were feeling a real low energy wise, we just 
got out of the building and offered people prayer and and shared um, shared the gospel with people. And it, and it was just such a um, such a good practice to kind of like get this in our bones to like l- to in a really practical way to learn to be responsive. Because I think sometimes it is you know it, obviously it is prayer and it is all of those things. But for me as well, like it, it is sometimes just putting things in place where it's that I just I'm gonna just going to get used to doing this. Do you know what I mean? Um, irrespective of what I what I feel. Sorry, you go. Thanks. <laughs> okay, um, I think in f- in the simple terms, I'm thinking of my life. It is really busy and it is really crazy. Um, uh, going back to like that that encounter with Jesus, you have your encounter. You, you know how, I know how God feels about me and I really want others to feel that. So it's involving that in, in my everyday life. So I would start the mornings. Oh, actually, let's just use an example. On Monday, I was thinking, oh, we're doing this on Sunday. Um, God you know, move this week. So there's something like, let's see you move and there's a story. And then I forgot about it because, you know, the child came in and then I went shopping with uh, Noah, my eldest and my youngest, trying to get clothes for a summer holiday that's going to be in England and not going to be sunny, depressing. But we were running out of the shops and I was on a mission and I had one in my hand and shopping. And then to my side, I saw a woman um, crying. She was, she was homeless. She wasn't just crying, actually. She was, she was screaming out, um, help me, help me, and crying and crying. And in that moment, I re- remembered what I'd said on Monday to God. But I was faced with, I've got a five-year-old. I've got an older one. What, what are they going to do? What are they going to think? Are they going to think I'm crazy if I do something? Before I could even formulate my plan of action, Noah walked over to her, he's 14, and he went, can I pray with you? And she immediately just stopped, and she calmed. She went, yes! And he got on his knees, and he put his hands out, and she put her hands out to him, and they were like hand to hand. And um, he prayed for her, and then I got down and prayed with her as well. And then she said, can you take my name, take my name, and pray for me, pray for me, uh, pray for me tonight. I mean, blown away anyway by my child, but also, like going back to what George said, I think we're not always part, we're not Jesus. <laughs> we're not the final package. We, we're sometimes just there to introduce some people to Jesus. And that might be through our kindness and our love and our patience. Or it could be just that we, we've been told by God to pray for this person. And to be honest, we've prayed for her ever since because my youngest is like, what about, where's she going to sleep tonight? What's God going to do? And when's he going to answer her prayer? And George said earlier on, it's true. We might be the only people praying for her. And that was our part of the story. Um, I just think it's incredible that God saw her and he knew we were going to be walking past. He knew Noah's heart was ready. And, and something happened there that was really precious. And yeah, it's not about being, I think, bold and courageous and special people. It's about taking God's love out and, and offering it and just letting God do the rest. I love that. You talk so much about just allowing your heart to be moved um, in regular situations and then just going from there. And I think sometimes, and George, you can speak into this too, but I think sometimes we can, um, we hear these stories, don't we? And we're like, when, you know, you get out, you get to the checkout, you know, in Asda, I'm in Asda a lot, um, get to the checkout and it's like, okay, you know, Lord, what do you want to say to this person? You know, what's going on in their lives? What's the dynamite word, the moment, you know? And actually, I've just often felt like, it's just chat to her, just chat to him and say, you know, what, 
How's your day going? And allow the Spirit. I think we can be dependent in that sense. We, we take this the step and saying, Lord, I'm open to this conversation. I'm open to what it is that you're doing in this person's life. And then you just allow the conversation to take place. Um, go on, you've got... Well, it's just I've, I've never, ever been in, in an encounter either myself or with friends who I consider like amazing at this stuff. I've never been in, in an encounter where someone shared their faith or got in a conversation that wasn't just ordinary and a bit awkward and a bit sort of sweaty and like, you know, and, and it's usually, you know, walking out of a restaurant at the last moment, you sort of decide to speak to the, you know, the waiter or the waitress and say, oh, by the way, thank you so much for today. Could we pray? It's, it's the thing is everything, everything sounds sexy on podcasts, <laughs> in books and in songs and you read it and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, like, it all sounds so, you know, if, I, if we wrote this conversation down, we'd sound amazing. But it's not like that. O most often, it, it just life is made up of the ordinary. And it's, I think there is a bit of a kind of holy sort of carpe diem that we need to get hold of again, which is that like, you do just have to seize the moment. Because if you keep waiting for something to feel um, particularly spiritual or like sensational, like you'll never, ever do it. Because life isn't like that. And, and I think we need to recognize that every single moment, every single conversation is ground for God to move. And, uh, you know, I just think that we just got to take hold of the ordinary a little bit more as well. And the, o the other thing as well is that, you know, prayer, I think we've deliberately wanted to talk about this because to get away from the, the kind of, um, some of the more strict stuff of like, it's got to look like, you know, preaching your two minute elevated pitch of the gospel. But I think I would also say like the gospel is really good news. And I think I've fallen into this trap so much. I'm honestly ashamed to say this up here, but, I've fallen into this trap of thinking like, oh, the gospel. It's a bit of a simple story, isn't it, for this day and age? So God loves you. You're made to know God, and he died for your sins so that you could be in relationship with him. And, and I think sometimes, I'm like, oh, you know, I need to put some kind of philosophical fluff around that to make it um, sort of seem more significant. And, and I think we sometimes forget that the gospel is so powerful. You know, even in my, after I became a Christian, I was praying for my dad for years and years to come to faith. And every single time we'd talk about faith, I'd like strike up some really dense philosophical debate with my dad about God and the universe and the evidence for Jesus and all of this kind of stuff. And it never did anything. And the day that my dad came to faith was when I finally gave up doing all of that and just shared the gospel and shared my story. And at the end of that conversation, and you experience that time and time again. Prisons is another one. You walk into a prison, people who are in the most real way being put in touch with their own brokenness and sin, you go and preach the gospel in that context, you're like, Oh, yeah, it is the best story. The fact that God loves us, the fact that he does want to bring us into a relationship with himself, the fact that like there is a purpose for our lives, that we are actually made to know God yeah. and that we're just lost and wandering around and at sea without that. Like, that's good news. Yeah. Like, but the problem is church now is so, it's, we, 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 they're so big and church is such a thing that's been in the world for thousands of years that people just think it's one option amongst many and forget that it is the community that holds the story, the truth of all life itself. You know, not just another option, not just another social club. And I think that we, we need to recognize that because people, more and more today, um, it, you know, when you boil it down, we're all very, very simple. If we feel anxious, we f it's often because we feel alone in the universe. We don't know what our lives are about. We wonder if we have any real value. And the gospel is the only story that answers all of those questions meaningfully. And so it's, it's just, I think it is also, yes, it's prayer. It's all the stuff we've been saying. But sometimes it's like, yes, share the gospel. Yeah. Just share the gospel, share, share the story of God, and you're just going to be amazed by how much it touches people's hearts. Yeah, I was going to say something else, but go on, share the gospel. 
as in, say I'm, you know, we'll do a little role play. You know, but if I, you know, if I'm like, you know, oh, hi, George. Oh, Why? Come on, it's George. helpful, the isn't it? Because I think sometimes on. we can hear that and it's like, you know, what if someone did say? So, you know, it's like, what would you say? You know, what do you say? Give us, like, give us a, yeah, help. Yeah, wonderful. Well, I'm going to speak if there's anyone online or in the room today who doesn't know Jesus. I didn't grow up around this. I had my life completely changed by Jesus, entirely to my surprise. I didn't think I needed religion. I didn't think I needed God. I thought Christianity had nothing to offer me. And I found that it changed my life completely. And if you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus, you're here for the first time, a friend's brought you and you've awkwardly agreed to come here today, you need to know that there is purpose to your life, that you were made with, with identity, you were made with love. You were made with a plan for your life. And that nothing else, any, any, anything else that seeks to do that, anything else that seeks to give you meaning in life is just a dead end. You are just going to keep in cycles of anxiety and you're just going to keep struggling and suffering until you come into the arms of Jesus because you were made for him. And everything else, some of you even today, it's like you've just been trying different things in life and they just come up empty. You've been trying to like go for it with your career and you've got the promotion you want, you still feel empty. You've been giving yourself to a relationship and you still feel empty. You've been giving yourself to a whole new community of friends and you realize that you do have community, but the community doesn't touch you in a meaningful place. Only the presence of God was designed, was created, was engineered to meet the needs of your heart and you can know him today and all you have to do is say yes to Jesus forget about the decoration around it forget about services and hymns and songs you can work all of that out later there is a God in heaven who knows you who loves you who is calling you by name and longing to know you and everything else that's been put around it every other part of religion all flows from that everything else in here microphones, worship bands, seats. It's all decoration around the central fact that there is a God at the heart of the universe who is calling you and wants to know you today. Your life can be changed today. Amen. Amen. Woo! Yes. Is there, is there anyone who's here for the first time today and we could pray for at the end of the service? If you're here for the first time today, that may have made no sense to you. That's fine. It barely made sense to me. But in, but the, 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 the message is this, that Jesus wants to know you and he loves you. And we want to pray for you afterwards if you are in that category rather than this just being a complete role play thing. When we pray at the end, come forward and let's pray for you and it will change your life. Good. All right. We are going to pray. We are going to pray in a moment. Um, but yeah, I just, um, I just even, when we... When I wouldn't we, say it like that in a shop, by the way. I know. I know. I know. We'll go for that one now. No. Um, but yeah, I, the, I think also the, um, you know, when we're going about our t days, even tomorrow, you know, this sort of, yeah, the misconception that it's really mysterious. And, and I think for me, one of the, um, even the uh, greatest, you know, sort of, I guess, encouragement is to actually see what catches your eye. You know, if we're praying, like you're saying, Tanya, if we're praying in the morning, like, Lord, make me attentive to your spirit. Give me your heart today. Trust that he knows and he's answered that prayer. And it might be, often in my world, I pray that prayer, and then someone runs in and says, can you get any Cocoa Pops? And then I've, like, completely forgotten, you know, what I prayed. But God hasn't forgotten that I prayed that. And so often, then in my day, there'll be a moment where, oh, I'm suddenly really attentive, or I'm really attracted to somebody, or I'm aware of something that I wasn't aware of before. And that's God. That's God bringing my eyes and bringing my attention to something that he wants to do, what he wants to. And sometimes 
I just find what someone's wearing is attractive. And actually, I can be like, oh, that's nice. Or I can be like, oh, I like, okay, God, what do you want to say about this person? How can I pray for this person? Or is it, some, is it a conversation that we need to have? You know, whatever it is, I think we need to be more attentive to our natural, um, you know, things that come into our mind during the day. And actually see what God does with that when we bring them to him. Any other things like that before we have a general, well, we, not general, a pray. We wrap up in prayer. Go on, Tanya. Um, well, I was just thinking, um, something that I have been doing over the year is praying for God to soften my heart because um, it's all very well going in and, and, and it was amazing what you did. But sometimes you, you don't have the heart, but you have the head. Um, and, I, and I found for me, using experiences with my children, doesn't help if you haven't got children, but using a, a situation where you're stirred emotionally and asking God to help me feel like that for his people. So, um, for example, if one of my children was having a hard time at school, um, the other week I was like ridiculously upset about this, uh, you know, too much for it to be just about her. And I, I asked God to, what are you saying to me through this? And this is I'm saying that this is how I feel for my broken and hurting people. I want you to have a bit of that heart, Tanya, you know, take this bit of my heart, take this empathy and this heart and, and look for those people that are feeling like they're out of it. And so that, you know, just asking God to soften my heart, really. Well, I think let's do that now, because like you said, it, it's, it's always an outworking of what's going on in the heart, isn't it? Out of out of the heart the mouth speaks. So why don't we stand up um, and we're going to invite uh, God to come and speak to us. And really simply, we're going to ask the Lord to renew the hope within us, the gospel message within us, whatever that looks like for you, um, even right now. And actually, um, you ask for his Holy Spirit to come and renew that.